the punch on in the goal square when Alistair Lynch started throwing haymakers oh, on yeah. old Wakeland. Yep. What do you remember about that? I remember the boys getting into wakes after the game about, it, about <laughs> that. They give it to me. He said, oh, I threw a couple. I think I've got a couple in there. And the boys was like, nah, I don't think you did, mate. But um, I don't think Lynchy's ones didn't land either, which is, which is good for Wags. Welcome to Quinny's Cult Heroes, brought to you by the Ladbrokes Listen Network and our very special guest, a man loved by his fans and feared by the opposition, a warm welcome to Byron Pickett. Byron, thanks for having a chat. No worries, pleasure. Now we're having a look at your glittering career, so much stands out, 204 games, two premierships, a Norm Smith medal, but I want to start with this one, the Indigenous Team of the Century. Lots has been made at the moment with Nicky Winmar in the headlines for mm-hmm. all the right reasons and... Looking at that team, it must be a huge thrill to be there, and what a shame they can't take the field together because there are some bloody good names on that list. Oh, yeah, you can imagine that. Um, yeah, I was very privileged to to make the team. Um, it was just, yeah, I was just in awe, awe about being selected because there were, there were a few players that I think that should have been on there before me, but I'm happy to be on there. Very humble you say that, and you could make a second team and a third team and it'd still be full mm-hmm. of some fantastic footballers as well. Oh, yeah, of course. Now, we're going to talk about your early days. You were born in WA and moved to Port Lincoln. Were you one of those kids that always had a footy in his hand and was always playing sport and active? Yeah, I always thought, probably not always, because I played basketball as well as, uh, as a teenager. Um, but, yeah, when I could get a footy in my hand, it, it, it'd be a footy before, before a basketball. And were um, you one of those kids in the backyard getting called in because it was dinner time? You just were always trying to play or...? Yeah, always trying to play. Put goals up in the backyard and try to dribble and do all, all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah. And what about organised footy? How much of that did you do at an early age? Um, I actually... I mean, I, I, back growing up, I wasn't really full on about footy. But I just, I just loved playing it and yep. being selected in some teams. I played... Uh, country championships um, in you know on, on the Air Peninsula and uh, Kinlay Cup I think it's still going now. It's a it's a Colts from the uh, Morlock Shield in Lincoln. So yeah, I, I didn't really. I mean, I'm probably not wasn't the only one that didn't really take footy serious back then. But um, yeah, I think the rest is history after that. And with your footy during your teenage years, did you know you were above average, or were you just one of the kids that loved playing footy and played against a lot of other quality juniors? Yeah, um, I just just love the game, and there's always players that are that are better and more experienced than you. But um, you know, once I got that opportunity to come to Adelaide and try in the, in the Colts and then in the 19s, and then play a couple couple games uh, in the reserves, um, I just yeah just, just had a just had a crack. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't plan to make the AFL. I just want I just love playing footy. Now, when you went to the Port Adelaide Juniors and you were there during your later teenage years. What were the main differences you noticed going to that sort of system? Um, just looking at or hearing stuff now and looking at the training regimes and stuff now, it's really full on um, in, the, in the AFL. And, and I think the, the VFL and the, and the Sanfl, SNFL and the Waffle and obviously the Northern teams, they're um, also got onto being stricter in their diets, in their training programs and what they eat and just being meticulous and whatever they whatever they need to do to get better. And was that a shock or was that something that you were always doing relatively well right up until the time you got in the system? 
Um, yeah, I, um, I was pretty good, you know, in my juniors as, and growing up learning and learning stuff and from the older players, um, just watching them and looking at them how they go about business and obviously experienced players, you know, you got to look up to them and see about how they go about their craft and stuff and just learn a little bit off those guys. Now you enter the draft and you get drafted to North Melbourne, a team that had some of the superstars of the mm-hmm. game, including Wayne Carey and Glenn Archer, David King. They just won the premiership. What do you remember about walking into the North Melbourne Footy Club? Uh, I just I remember the senior group of that of that club all coming out one by one and shaking my hand, like really welcoming me, welcoming me to the to the club, and yeah, it just went on from there. I mean, I I still chat to. You know some of the players, um, and just that leadership they showed um, when I walked when I walked to the door. They just all come in and just took my hand and said, "Weapon of the club, you know, like, can't wait to get started." And yeah, it just went on from there. Tell us about Wayne Carey. Yeah, Duck uh, Wayne Carey was he was actually good, like as a leader and the the, the bloke the player he was, just unbelievable. I Man, I looked up to him uh, the way he went around. Like I was saying before, the way he went about his business and you know, it was first class. I mean, that that was the way he was the player he was. I think the training rate, like I said, the training regime these days, if we had that, I mean, who, who knows what he could have done. Like, he was a freak as it, as it was back then. Um, you know, that's, they were the team of the 90s and I was happy to be a part of it for, for about six years, I think. You are a massive part of it as well. Now, 1997, You've moved interstate, you've joined the Kangaroos your mm-hmm. first year. You played the one game, but how much did you learn that year? Yeah, uh, we, we played, we, I think we played Cats that night. Um, yeah, I learned a lot. Uh, it's a lot faster, a lot harder, obviously. Uh, coming, you know, obviously a big move coming from from Port Lincoln, or from WA and then to Port Lincoln for, for a few years there. And, just a country boy going to a big, big city like this. This is a big city, but then you go to Melbourne, it's even bigger. So, um, yeah, it, it was daunting at, at first, but like I said, the players, the leaders of the club made me feel comfortable. And How'd you find the Melbourne winter? Yeah, I struggled, struggled a bit. <laughs> struggled, yeah, struggled big time. When we had our uh, recovery sessions, most of them was down Willie, Williamstown. It's not a very warm, pleasant, you know, during the start and mid mid season, um, all the other guys just get in just a, like just under their chest height. Myself and then Winston came there in '98. Yeah, we just just above just above our knees or just below our shorts. It was a bit cold. So for those that don't know, Williamstown Beach could be the coldest place on earth when the <laughs> wind picks up and you've got to go there the morning after a game for recovery. Recovery, yeah. Go in the seawater in the middle of winter. Mm-hmm. You can live in Melbourne your whole life and that's still freezing. So oh, to be there for a couple of weeks and have to do that, it's yep. not fun. Yeah, that, they, <laughs> they say four seasons in one year, so <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it certainly is. And how did you find Melbourne in general? Yeah, I actually like Melbourne. Um, at the start... Um, I stayed with a couple of billeted board, um, draftees as well. So we had, you know, they had clubhouses, you know, about two or three clubhouses with myself and the other draftees were, were staying out for a couple of years. And then, yeah, I, I reckon I started getting a bit, bit homesick. So the club helped me and they got a little, little place in Mooney Ponds. Um, and then my mum and dad come over and, yeah, they come over for a good while, a good few months. And then um, a couple of years later, then I ended up, buying a house and then they come over for a good good half of the year. 
And yeah, I, I, once I got that the house, permanent house, they a lot of family came over when they, you know, when they had holidays or when they could, and after they saved up and all that, all that sort of stuff. So it made made me feel a lot better. I was, I know, I knew families were coming over when they had holidays and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I had family coming and going, which is good. That makes it feel like home away from home, and yep, had a very positive impact, I dare say, on what you did on the footy field as mm-hmm. well. Because going into 1998, having played the one game in your first year at the club, yep. you simply exploded. You were brilliant in 1998. You played 25 games. Mm-hmm. You won the Rising Star Award, and the Kangas finished the season on top of the ladder. Yeah, that was a massive year uh, for myself and for the club. Um, I had, yeah, I obviously had a good pre-season and just, you know, the leaders, like I said, always say the leaders of the clubs, the club just helped me through pre-season training. If I couldn't get there, they'd ring me. Or I'd text one of the boys, ring him up, and can you pick me up? I just, yeah, need a lift to training and all that sort of stuff. So, and they were always there for you. Um, just the support they had. And, you know, like I said, I had a massive pre-season that year, so, and that and it helped me not get injured that year, so, um, and I think, with the Norwich, I think it helped me playing the whole season. I didn't miss any games, so that really, I reckon that helped, because there was a lot of talented players on that, it on was the Norwich list as well. Very strong list as well, so the fact that you got your opportunity, you took it with both hands, and how quickly did your confidence build and you realise, oh, I can really make it this top level? Yeah, I... I I always feel confident around guys like Archie, Mickey Martin, Jace McCartney, um, all the all the other backline boys and, and the midfielders, and you know, goes right down to the forward line because um, they they're always there for you. Like if you get in a little, if you tackle someone hard, then another player grabs you. You know, the, the, the bigger guys will come and help you out, which, which is good. Um, and it just just went from there. Like I knew I had, I had my back. I had guys that had my back. So I just went out and played my natural game. Um, you know, I used to play like that here for, for the Maggies and and obviously back in Port Lincoln. Um, just, just similar styles, hit, attack the ball, player at the same time. And yeah, towards the end of my career, I was kicking goals. So I was, yeah, I was loving kicking goals. So I never, <laughs> never really kicked any goals. Could have kicked a lot more if you played up forward, but they needed you in the midfield as well. That's where the, <laughs> yeah. the footy was won. Yeah. Now that year for North was terrific. Right up until the final game, mm-hmm. North went into the grand final against Adelaide, a clear favourite. Unfortunately, it didn't go to script yep. and the Crows won the flag. What are your memories from the day? Um, I think I, we kicked a lot of points. Yep. And then I remember um, Andy and Jars just, just took over. Yeah. It was as simple as that. Um, and I just remember watching the balls go, go over my head a, a few times. So, yeah, it's pretty, yeah, a, a lot of players don't talk about it because they obviously, especially the ones where you're favourite and, I mean, if, if you go into a grand final, there's no, there could be a favourite, but the other team that's not the favourite, they've got nothing to lose, man. They can chuck, throw everything at it and that's what the Crows did the year before and that year as well. You know, no one, no one um, thought that they would play, um, win back-to-backs. Probably only the faithful Adelaide Crows fans, you know, but, um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's... I don't really talk about it much because there's not much to say about it. I mean, on the, on the North Melbourne side, but, you know, the Crows played so well that day, that day and 
it showed on, on, the, on the scoreboard. Is it any easier to talk about because you had so much success after that? If you never won those premiership medallions, do you think it would be even more raw? Um, I, th- I think, like I said before, I, I didn't plan to play a field, so I didn't really, you know, well, this is my thought, don't play, I, I don't play at footy or AFL or any sport to win championships. Yep. I just played because I loved it. And for me to go to to the Kangaroos, you know, the team of the 90s, at that time, I, I always had a, a bit of luck. I played footy with the King, Archie, a chin bone of, you know, the century and games record holder, Boomer Harvey. You know, it's it's unreal that I did get selected for um, for the Kangas. Um, I, I think I was... Because I, I only had only had a meeting with two two AFL clubs, and that was Essendon first, and then North Melbourne. So I think if North didn't pick me, I reckon the Bombers would have would have swooped on me. So two two of the best teams at the time. At the time, yeah. Oh yeah, we, we, we had some cracking games against each other, and the marshmallow thing, and <laughs> it just builds it up like a like a big big boxing match, you know. He was, the, he was great the, cheese, the wasn't he? Oh, mate, yeah, it was good. It was good to get get the boys fired up for a game, so. Um, yeah, I mean, the rivalries are, are massive in AFL. Like, you got the showdown, you got the Derby, you got the Collingwood-Carlton, like, the Hawthorne-Essendon, like, there's, there's, there's so many. I mean, Brisbane and Collingwood, I think, you know, they had some, some games. They played in the grand final, so, yeah, there. There's a few. There are a few. Now, yeah. Dennis Pagan. We see him sometimes as a angry man, a charismatic man. He's a horse trainer these days. Yeah. What was he like, and what was your first impression when you sat down to chat with him? Yeah, first impression was he's didn't take any shit. Yep. Um, <laughs> he just said it straight down the line. I remember one session I missed. I oh, not missed, but I was there late because I got the times wrong, and I was walking up the race. And I was looking, like, walking across the oval from where I was staying, and I was like, what the hell's going on here? And all the boys were in the change room, just getting there already. They were just waiting for me to get there. Then I walk, I was walking in, and someone must have told him, hey, he's coming. So he met me in the race, the old race at, at Arden Street, and then he just had a good stern yarn there. <laughs> and I was like, yep. And that was the last training session I reckon I've rocked up late to. So, he, yeah, he, he, it was, I think his qualities are similar to Choco's. Yep. Like, um, they'll tell you straight, straight down the line, and they'll they'd want you to tell them straight down the line as well. I think any any coach would want that, just to be honest and stuff. And I had really good relationships with Dennis and Choco. I still have good relationship when I see him. Um, I see Choco a little bit now because he's with Melbourne, and when Cosy rocks up, we tend to drive down to the hotel where the boys are staying and have a yarn with Choco, and um, and I always try and catch up with Dennis when I go to Melbourne. Um, he's a busy man, like you're saying, he's a, train, a horse trainer now and he's got his, I think his house, housing business or something. Yeah, I'd love to be a dollar behind Dennis. He's got his finger in every pie. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> now, 1999, on the back of that disappointing grand final performance, the Kangas didn't miss a beat. You finished mm-hmm. second at the end of the home and away season and many footy fans thought you were on a collision course with Essendon yep. in the grand final. I think they were clearly the two best teams. Mm-hmm. Can you remember the day Carlton knocked off the Bombers and you realised you'd be playing the Blues and not Essendon? And how did that make you feel? That, yeah, that was a, 
And that was an awesome game to watch. I think it was Brandy that tackled uh, the defender, Wallace. Wallace. Demos, yeah. That tackle just set it, obviously set it up, and then they went down and kicked the goal. Yeah, it was a good game. Like, as a, as a team and as a, you know, a club, we were, like, everyone was expecting the Bombers to win, but they, you know, obviously didn't because of, you know, that one mistake. Um, that's, it's a it's a funny game, you know, and they, and they um, we actually were prepared to play the Bombers, so we, we would have loved to have played the Bombers instead of Carlton, but I always talk to some of the Bombers supporters when my mates and that, I just always just say, oh, you just weren't good enough in the last couple of minutes, you know, so, but, um, yeah. As a footy fan, it's one of my regrets that we didn't get to witness the Bombers and North play in a grand final because yep. they were both so brilliant to mm-hmm. watch, so dominant. And those games, they were so skillful. There was a touch of physicalness about it. Yep. So it would have been great on grand final day. Yeah, well, in 98, I think we, we um, yeah, 98 and a little bit of 99. I think mostly 98, we we had the best of it, the Bombers. And I think by 90, end of 99, or through 99 and 2000, they just thought, no, nah, we've had enough. And yeah, we, we, we couldn't, 2000, we couldn't beat them there. That, you know, they've only, they only lost one game that year, I think, yep. the whole season. They were just unbeatable. And like I said, they just had enough of being pushed around by us. And, you know, we had, we didn't have Wayne, well, we had Wayne, Wayne Carey one game and he kicked 10 and we still lost. Mm. And uh, yeah, and another game we didn't have him. It was the one we kicked 12, I think, in the first quarter, up by 62 or 4 or something. And they come back and beat us because Sheed's, as genius he, he was, worked us out. And he what he, what he pinpointed, yeah, that stuffed us up. Some incredible games during that period. Going back to grand final day in 99, what are some of your fondest memories? And do you remember having a moment where it sank in, you were about to be a premiership player? Um, a lot of memories, obviously, you know, you get you get a lot of families or the, the main family to go to grand finals. Um, my parents, uh, my partner. Um, those were probably the, the main memories. Um, and with play, with the playing group, like it's yeah, it's just unbe- unbelievable feeling. Like, like I said, you know, I never never really focused and planned my career to be an AFL player and to win premierships. That they just happened, and I just took full advantage of the opportunity that I had back then because, um, I mean, I think back then you could bring a club and then go in and, like, can I come and do pre-season? That's how easy easy it was. And, yeah, it, it was it was just, you know, it's so surreal because play at the highest level, you win the, the pinnacle, you know, the, the AFL Grand Final and you, you're going to be in history for centuries, you know. I can never take that premiership off you. Now, no. looking back on that North team, Played hard, partied hard. Yep. Wayne Carey, the skipper, probably led the charge on both fronts. <laughs> yeah. What was it like after the flag? Was it a big couple of weeks? What was the footy season trip like? I reckon the because some of the boys obviously you know they go on footy trips. Uh, we went to New Orleans and yeah, they like we partied. No, I've never partied before, and we had to meet up, meet down the bottom every morning at a certain time. And whoever the boys were rocked up, they had to skull, you know, a big pint of Guinness. <laughs> Doesn't taste good if you're not from that area. But, um, yeah, it, it was it was a normal footy trip, you know. Boys get out there and a couple of boys got caught weeing in, in, in an alleyway. So they spent, you know, 
couple of nights in a slammer, a uh, night in a slammer, and we, we all had to chuck in to get him out. <laughs> so I won't mention his name, but um, yeah, it, it's always you know it's it's good bonding. Um, myself and Shannon Motlop, we went hard. Like it was six days, we went hard for three days. The next three days, nah, couldn't I couldn't we, we couldn't I couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. The other guys in the team, they were just going, man. That was going hard. I was like, what the hell? How do you do it? But um, no, nah, it was good. It was as first time I've been in the states. Um, I haven't been in the states since. The only place I've been to out of Australia was New, New Zealand, so nice and close. But um, yeah, it you know the grand finals doesn't matter if it's AFL local teams. You know, you always have a good celebration. I mean, I on the Sunday after the grand final, we had a big family day at, at the at Arden Street, and it was it was awesome because I had all my family there, and you know they had a couple of beers, and one of my cousins got up on stage, and everyone was all yarning, like partying, and then he grabs a microphone and he starts singing, singing a club song. So, and everyone just looked around and just started joining in and joining the chorus, and yeah, no, it was a massive day, big family day. We, presentations and stuff with the cup and the medals and the players and like I said the family you know I think yeah the families are always always play a big part of my life so I'm trying to um, push that down to my, to my sons and um, my daughter Lakeisha if she wants to go down that path again so Do you think they'll go down a sporty path? Are they showing early signs they're into it? Yeah well um, Byron's actually in Melbourne um Staying at staying with Cosy, he trained at at Northern Knights, but we, we got him across there a little bit too late to make the list. But he, he trained there and he had a couple of practice practice games earlier this year and he he, he played well. Um, they just yeah they told him they can't um, put him on the list because obviously too late and they got the list already set. So they uh, Northern Knights rang around and they they got him in touch with Oakley Char- Chargers. Yep. Yeah, so he's gonna jump on board with those guys and. You know, just the experience he had at at, um, at at the Knights will obviously you know help him develop at um, at Oakley, and he's looking forward to it. Um, it was, he's um, he's, he's going to be a good player if he if he works hard. Um, I think that's the only way he can make it this year, uh, these days because the running is crazy running now. Um, it's it's more, way more quicker. The game has changed to be quicker, and um, but it, like a lot of players, they, they adapt. They adapt to it, so it'll be right. Um, you know, young boys they always say, "Oh, do you reckon I'm getting bigger? I'm getting bigger." I got that from Cosy. I think I still do get it from Cosy. <laughs> so yeah, I just look at him and I just shake my head like, yeah. But yeah, boys will be boys. I think. How do um, you go as a footballing dad? Yeah, I, I try and try and teach them what I what I know, tell them what I what I you know what I've learnt, um, and try and do do extra training, like do stuff that I didn't really do, I didn't really take take advantage of the, in the off season. Like I, I did train in off season, but not as much. I mean, like like I said, today's is different. Today's game, they off season, they go away and they they just know what they have to do to stay at that level. So I'll try and get the boys to, yeah, well, when you got days off from training, just go for a, a walk, go to the shops, do an hour walk, grab the dog on the beach, just always do something like an hour walking or jogging. 
Well, after six wonderful years at the Kangaroos that saw you win a premiership, you decided to head home to Port Adelaide. What sparked the move? I asked, I asked the club, um, yeah, I asked the club if I could um, come back home to be closer to the family. Uh, Mum and Dad were living in Port Lincoln at that time, and and they they were happy with it. Um, and with my my six years I had there, so they were really respectful, and they knew that I was a, a family family man, family kid to a man. So, like yeah, like I said, they agreed to to. Um, let me go. Um, I come when I come back. I, Stuart Cochran was with me as well on the, on in the trade. So, and he's a um, Central's boy from Adelaide. So, um, yeah, the, the main reason was was family and parents were getting older. Um, and just to be closer to yeah, closer to them. Hour on a, what forty five minutes? I think it's just forty five minute flight to Lincoln. A little bit longer to Sejuna, but um, yeah, that was the main reason. And they they said yes, fine. You know you've. You've done your contracts out, and you played really good footy, and played in a couple of prim- like you know, premiership, a couple of grand finals. So, yeah, oh, it was a wonderful time, and it sounded mm-hmm. like it ended really well. They were delighted with what you did for the club, mm-hmm. and understood it was time to move on. And they were probably going through that rebuild phase as well. So yep. you go to Port Adelaide in 2003. The power had never won an AFL premiership, mm-hmm. and was so dominant without winning so in 2003 your first season at the club 18 wins on top of the ladder but then unfortunately it just went horribly wrong in the finals yeah um sydney came came to adelaide and they just just flew out of the blocks like like i said before you know teams who aren't expected to win they have you know they got no pressure on them so yeah they just come out and they just dominated like we, we were we were shocked. I was shocked. Um, and I think you can see after the final siren, all the boys are just, yeah, like, what the hell just, just happened? Um, so we did. We, we took took that on the chin. We, we, we had to then move on. And then we went to we went to Melbourne and played Collingwood, I think. And, yeah, and they beat us there. Like, we, we played well until, I think it was third quarter, maybe the half time or something, but... Just there, calling his home ground advantage and their, their crowd, it just, it's always hard to go to foreign territory. And, you know, playing against one of the biggest clubs in the league, it's, yeah, it's, a, little, it's a little bit daunting. But, um, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure what really happened with the boys. They just, they just weren't prepared. Obviously, they weren't prepared for the Swans. And, yeah, the way the Swans, yeah, come out, they, they played really well and aggressive and they just took us on at every chance they could. Now, going into 2004, the pressure on the team and the pressure on coach Mark Williams was truly unbelievable. Was it hard to relate to because at North it was always relatively smooth sailing or did you take a bit of comfort from saying, well, I've been in a similar situation mm-hmm. like to this before and it's ended up well and yep. were you a bit of a calming influence on the team? Um, I, I've, I've always... Um, played like calmly, like you said. Um, I'd just stuck to my same routine, whether it be finals, you know, even preseason games. Um, I just, yeah, I, I was pretty, I was pretty calm through the whole final series um, at, at Port. Um, when we when we beat St Kilda here, 
you know, in the prelim, it, it was it was pretty it, it was massive, and all the, the boys, I mean, you see on the replays now, they were falling around. And they just so, so overwhelmed because the years before, previous, you know, we were the chokers, and I think Choco let the let the public know about that when he walked onto the oval that after the final siren. Um, but yeah, it was it. I mean. Like you said, I played in a couple of grand finals and won one. So I was sort of, you know, sort of calm. Um, so, yeah, I just took that on board. And like I said, I do the same routine every game. Um, and then I just, yeah, it just, we just had a good day that day. Like, we had nothing to lose. Brisbane were going four in a row and we knocked them off. Like, we punched up with them and everything. And then, yeah, I don't think they expected us to go out and, bully the, the bullies. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. And that is what they tried to do. I interviewed <laughs> Justin Lepich. He said at halftime, it was a goal the difference. We're yep. walking off the field and we started to get into them verbally and they came back 10 times as yeah. strong. Oh, yeah. I mean, Carey was one of them. One of the t- he's a tough nut. We had Damien Hardwick. He's, you know, he's no softy. Um, you know, we, we had tre- like Treaders play well. He's, when when, we, uh, when Maddie went down during the year, Treaders stood up to be the captain and it just yeah we just had nothing to lose and we just went out there and just left it on the park and we just said you know we'll, we'll give back whatever you know whatever they whatever they throw at us we'll give we'll give them you know we'll give it back to them even harder if we can you know and you personally you were spectacular three goals the norm smith medal mm-hmm. looking back on it it must put a smile from ear to ear that you produced that sort of performance mm-hmm. when the stakes were so high yeah well I don't like. I think I had Copeland on me that day, but he wasn't really on me. You know what I mean? He, I, th- I think they just. I think they tried to double team. Obviously, he sagged off to double team the the bigger forwards in that, and I just took full advantage of it. Um, it's either I like I, I tell my boys, you know, if, if players don't play on you, if they don't not worry about you, they don't respect you, and. When you see a player that do, does that, those sorts of things, just take advantage of it. Just tell the players I'm by myself. He's nowhere near me. He's not, he's, he hasn't been around me all day. Just give me the ball. And I was, yeah. And I, I just, like I said, took advantage of it and got a couple of goals and could have another one, but Gab didn't handball it to me. <laughs> I wasn't going to growl him anything because he, <laughs> he's a legend. So, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I... Copes didn't play on me pretty much all day. After I kicked a couple of goals, he was bumping me and stuff, but then that was it. He, I, I hardly saw him, pretty much. It's just unbelievable. Now, yeah. how different was it after the final siren went in the weeks and months that followed compared to when you won the flag at North? Was mm-hmm. it? Did it feel different for the fans or the players? Was it a bit more relief than excitement? Or I, I think it was... I think it was more relief to get that chokers... Um, to, to, to get called chokers for the past two two years, three years, it was just a relief to get that monkey off our, off our backs. And like I said, when Choco came onto the ground, he just let everyone know. And um, yeah, and there was no better team to beat to actually win it when knocking off Brisbane Lions going for their fourth in a row. So yeah, big relief, but also enjoy, you know, enjoyable, enjoy, enjoyable because it's the club's first AFL premiership. So, and I, like I said, I was, I was, it was 
pretty special because Pete and Sean, we, we played in the grand final in, in, in Lincoln for Mallee Park. So, and Sean was only a little final. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was it was a little bit special, more special because of that that reason, me, me Pete and Sean. So, um, yeah. I mean, I loved the Kangas. So that was that was good. You know, obviously a memorable one, my first one. Um, played in that grand final with with, uh, with Winnie, who I looked up to as well. So, and I, 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 I sort of come out of my shell a, a lot when Winston came across to Kangaroos that, that year, uh, 98, so. Yeah, but the Port one was special, me, Sean and Peter. So you're telling me there was some poor junior footy club that had to play against the team consisting of Byron Pickett, <laughs> Sean Burgoyne and Peter Burgoyne. Yeah, and like I said, there's always players that are better than you. <laughs> so there was, you know, there was like, there's about three, probably three or four boys that were better than us. So, but you know, if if you want something that bad, you, you can, you know, you, you'll get it. you can achieve anything you want. You just got to want to do it. Now, a couple of memorable things from that 2004 grand final. One we've discussed is Mark Williams putting the tie around the neck and saying, Alan Scott, you are wrong. <laughs> Another was you winning the Norm Smith. And the other was the punch on in the goal square when Alistair Lynch started throwing haymakers oh, on yeah. poor old Wakeland. Yep. What do you remember about that? I remember the boys getting into wakes after the game about, <laughs> about that. Oh, they, yeah, they give it to him. Um, they give it to me. He said, oh, I threw a couple. I think I've got a couple in there. And the boards was like, nah, I don't think you did, mate. But um, I don't think Lynchy's ones didn't land either, which is which is good for Wags. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think a funny bit of – funny part about that is Sean and Acker next to him. They were, like, dancing. Uh, Sean and Acker grabbing each other's jumpers and rest of, like, jumping and just looked like they were dancing. But, if, I mean, if they were – Stepped any closer, one of them would have copped it. Um, but yeah, that was that was pretty wild. That 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 ball, that punches that didn't land. It was unbelievable. Amazing footage and amazing day. So I think looking back at your career, one thing that surprised me a little bit was that you just spent the three years at Port because you did so well there. You were mm -hmm. part of that successful team that created history. That I know personally. Mm -hmm. It feels like you spent a lot longer there, there, but you made such a huge impact in that three years. Yeah, that's. I've always thought about, you no, know, have a think about, you know. I mean, I was at Kangas for six, and yeah, at Port Adelaide for for, uh, for three. So, like, like I say, I can have a little bit to do with luck, but um, I mean, yeah, Port Adelaide were a good, obviously, a good team in, in that three years. They were always up there. And, um, and just with the, with the addition of um, of Damien Hardwick and uh, it, just that experience with he what he had at Bombers, you know he obviously shared it with the Port Boys and us, us boys and it just yeah it just flowed nicely. Now after three years at Port, you headed to Melbourne where you played the final two years of your career. You played 29 games for the D's. Unfortunately, a few injuries started to creep in, especially mm -hmm. in that second year. Yep. What was it that appealed about going to the D's and what were your first impressions of the footy club? Um, I think... I left it up to my manager to, to sort that stuff out. I didn't really want to leave, but, um, you know, footy's a business and you got to... You know, most of the time you have to go where where you have to go. Um, yeah, I was there for two years. Um, I, I think as I was getting old, um, older, I, I mean, I wasn't really that old, but 
as I was saying earlier, I think in the off season I I didn't really train enough in the off season, so I, I just took advantage of that. Um, and then the body started taking its toll. Me when I was coming back in the off season, started pre Christmas training and stuff. I was just a little bit overweight, and then, yeah, it just went on from there. I had to work harder, um, and then yeah, the body just couldn't put up with it in the last in that in that last couple of years towards the end of my end of my career in 2007. So you know, I got no regrets, but I I think the only main thing is probably not doing the training in the off season, not looking after my my body in the off season. I think that really, um, yeah, that really hurt me pre season coming back overweight sometimes and just the training I do extra training and running with it. I mean, I don't, I don't have big legs or skinny legs, you know. But um, yeah, like I said, I, I've got no real regrets about about my career. I mean, like I said, I didn't really plan to play AFL. It just just happened, and that that family support was a massive part of my my career. So you played a very physical style of game. Do you think that had an impact later on with the injuries and whatnot as well? Yeah, yeah, I reckon. I reckon it it, it does take its toll. Um, you know, some some players. Well, I have problems with my sh- with my shoulders now, but um, yeah, it, you know, it is what it is. I mean, most of the guys I actually bumped and tackled, if they weren't the players I played on, it'd be you know, I mean, I'm only 180 centimeters, like I think that's five eleven or five ten or something, but it does take its toll. Um, but um, yeah, you know. I think the boys, my boys will have to, I don't want them to play the way I did because you can't play like that no more. So, but they'll adapt to it and hopefully they'll be successful, you know, playing finals footy. Finals footy is the main thing. I mean, if you if you go prelims and you make a grand final, that's the bonus, but just that experience. The crowds, the tempo of the, of the game is, you know, lifted every final game you play, so. When you played footy was much more physical and the bump was a key part of the game. Mm-hmm. Now it's almost illegal. Yep. But when you were playing, it was a key skill to be able to execute. You were very good at it. Was there one that you did that you thought that was the best bump I've ever laid? Um, I think the best ones were the, the bigger guys. Like I, got, um, I don't know. I ran into Rhett Begunz the other night at footy, so it'll have to be has to be hidden because he's he's massive. He's a big unit. Um, yeah, you know, after after I hit him, I, I knew I, I got him good. I didn't know I knocked him out because he was so big. But the shoulder just went straight down here and, and he was lights out. And I was surprised when I saw him laying, like, stiffened, stiffened out. And that'd have to be the best one. Um, a lot of family and stuff talk about the crumble one, but I, nowadays I look at that and I'm like, oh. Yeah, after that game, I spoke to Winnie and because Brendan Crumble's from from WA, and Winnie was yarning out there, and then he's talking about that hit, and he was like, "Hey, bros, you know, he's, he's a real good fellow, eh?" I was like, "No, nah, I don't know." He said, "No, nah, I think he is. He is a good fellow. Obviously, WA boys, you know." And I was like, "Oh, thanks, Winnie. Made me feel a lot better, mate." For all we put the guilt trip on you. <laughs> yeah. Main difference between Melbourne as a footy club compared to where you come from, Port Adelaide. Yeah. The, I think Mel, Melbourne, 
remind, like, reminded me of North Melbourne when I first went to North Melbourne because the facilities were very similar. Yep. And the, yeah, just for, just similar in a lot of ways, Melbourne and North Melbourne back then. Um, just the training and like every club get, you know, you got a couple of blokes that play jokes and stuff. I mean, Port had about, yeah, Port had a handful and obviously Melbourne had a handful as well. And I think Kangas had, I don't think Kangas had more than the other teams, but no, it, it what it's it's what make the clubs tick. I reckon the the, the camaraderie and the, all the jokes and stuff. You know, they do it all when when they can. But when it comes down to footy, it's business. So yeah, I think Melbourne and North Melbourne were similar, very similar. In my thoughts. Yeah, Byron, we've absolutely loved having a chat today. You have been spectacular. What's the best sledge you ever heard on the footy field? Best sledge. To me, you can hurt. You could have heard it. You could have been at you, or um, you could have delivered it. <laughs> I remember playing Geelong one night. One of Geelong players <laughs> said, "Oi, someone, what's the sheepdog back here? Watch him, watch him." That, that was when he said that, and he's yeah. I actually know his brother, um, and I, I was like, well, "What the? What is?" What's he saying? You talking? Is he talking to me or you? Like the pain right that was on me, but um, that was a bit weird. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember any other because there, because there were so many. You know, a lot of other players are, are good talkers, and you know, some people talk about their partners and old friends and his mate, and like some stuff were really weird. But yeah. That's one of a lot of stuff, you know. But yeah, I don't know. I can't can't hit the nail in one of them. Now you played under some coaches that I reckon would have given some pretty good sprays. Dennis Pagan, <laughs> Mark Williams, Neil Danaher. Who gave the best spray? Yeah, it'd have to be Dennis. I used to at quarter time, at, um, yeah, quarter time in the in the huddle. I used to always. Most of the time I was in the front, and every time, every time he spoke and sprayed us, he actually sprayed us. <laughs> so he sprayed me a couple of times, me and the boys in front, all the, all the short boys, me, Boomer and stuff. So, yeah, it'd have to be him. Um, like there were, there's always going to be games where we lose and we shouldn't. And, yeah, I think they all give good sprays, but I reckon Dennis, yeah, Dennis was yeah, the biggest one, I reckon. Warren, loved having a chat today. You've been absolutely sensational. All the best going forward. No worries. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Hey, lads. A guy in the community reckons we take the overs. Do we trust him? Well, his username is Big Stats Guy. Say no more. Connect with a community of like-minded punters only in Labrox communities. T's and C's apply and available on website. What are you really gambling with?